Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast. The show that explores the background of Tolkien's amazing world from the very beginning. When Fingon saved Madros, he didn't just save a friend from torture and almost certain death eventually. He saved the relationship between the sons of Feanor and Fingolfin's people. When they get back, he is praised for helping to save Madros. Now, you have to remember here that a lot of time has gone by since Madros has been captured. It's been about 20-ish years. And we go over some of the reasoning for that on the last episode. But it's it's another one of those little bits of pieces of the lore where a significant time goes by. Not a lot happens, at least among the, the sons of Feanor during this time. But when they get back, everybody's happy about it. And there's some stuff that needs to be settled. Fingolfin's people are still upset about being abandoned, and Madros begs forgiveness for deserting them. And, on top of that, he waves his claim to kingship over all the Noldor, and says directly to Fingolfin, quote, If there lay no grievance between us, Lord, still the kingship would rightly come to you, the eldest here of the House of Finway and not the least wise. An interesting choice of words, too. I think and not the least wise is not like a backhanded compliment. I have a feeling that's more about taking a humble ownership of their mistakes to this point. Madros is different than Feanor. He's different than his father. And he gives up the kingship, which he would have claimed as his birthright to his uncle. Now, we don't have an exact formula for the way kingships are passed down in many kingdoms across the history of the world. There are different ways that this is done, right? Sometimes it does go to the oldest child, like the next sibling in line. Sometimes it only goes from father to son to son to son. It depends on the way this is set up. And it seems that this is one of those situations where it was more about who had the power to claim it than about what had previously been established. Because you have to remember that they are only a few generations from the original leaders. And in this specific situation, Feanor was the second generation after Finway. Feanor and Fingolfin. That's one generation. They haven't been doing this very long in order to establish a specific way that this occurs and you know when you're watching a tv show 
and it might be a very action-packed TV show, and there's multiple episodes, and you come across one of those episodes where there's less action, there's less fighting, there's less really, I don't know, climactic moments. It's kind of a setup episode, but they're necessary. They're 100% necessary, because the episode after the setup episode wouldn't be nearly as good if it weren't for the setup episode. That's what today is. I'm going to call this a time of peace. Because this is the moment where the Noldor start working together. They start reaching out to the other elves. And they create a boundary around the northern section of Beleriand that Melkor has laid waste to. And during this time, Melkor goes dormant again. It's another one of those moments where the bad guy bides his time. Because he has time. And now that the Noldor are all working together again, it doesn't mean that there aren't individuals among them who have different beliefs about how that should work. So one of the first things the Noldor do is they decide to start exploring more of the realm of Beleriand. They send messengers far and wide seeking other peoples, other elves still at this point. We know that the men have awakened, but it's taking them time to travel west into Beleriand. And for the most part, there's other elves. There are dwarves if you go far enough to the east, but for the most part, they run into other elves. And of course, they run into the people of King Thingol. King Thingol of Doriath, Thingol and Melian, the Maya, the ones who live in that forest area, right in the center of the map. And you have to remember, they've warded themselves against anyone coming into their lands. They're very separatist in their ideology. And yet King Thingol has been here since the Noldor left for Valinor all that time ago. He's been lording over this land on his own for a very, very long time. So you have to imagine how he might perceive the coming of so many princes of the Noldor back into the land of Beleriand, his home. He doesn't find this a positive thing. Let's put it that way. He has his own power and his own control at heart here. It says in the Silmarillion, Now King Thingol welcomed not with a full heart the coming of so many princes in might out of the West, eager for new realms. And he would not open his kingdom, nor remove its girdle of enchantment. So if you were one of the Noldor, you were not getting into Doriath. Sorry, you have to go settle somewhere else. Although he did have an exception. Quote, Finarfin's house were suffered to pass within the confines of Doriath. So he actually let them in. 
for they could claim close kingship with King Thingol himself, since their mother was Erwin of Aquilande, always daughter. So there's a connection here. Erwin, always daughter, King Thingol, the connection there. So because of the family connection, he at least allows them to sit down at the table and talk about what's going on. So let's do a little uh, a little family organization here. Finarfin may not be a name you're too familiar with. It's another one of those F names. Finarfin, just like Fingolfin, is a child of Finway and a half brother of Feanor. Let's let's call it that. He's the youngest of that that line, and his son Angrod was the first of the exiles to come to the city within Doriath, the the city with the caves that the dwarves helped build. Remember this? Menegroth is the name of that place. And Angrod was allowed to explain to King Thingol what was going on with things. What are the Noldor doing? But Angrod specifically mentioned nothing about the kinslaying. Nothing about the time they fought against their own elven brethren in order to take the ships. And he also didn't mention the nature of their exile and Feanor's oath. So he holds this information away from King Thingol, thinking that that might, you know, set off some alarms. Hey, these guys are dangerous. Or I don't want them stirring up trouble with Melkor, that sort of thing. But Thingol was smart. He, he understood how to read somebody. And he knew that they were there for reasons that weren't necessarily in line with some of his agenda. Most, mostly his agenda was to just hide forever and not be found, it seemed. So there's a passage here in the Silmarillion where it says, Beware, therefore, how you princes of the West bury yourselves. This is his response to Angrod. For I am the Lord of Beleriand, and all who seek to dwell there shall hear my word. Into Doriath none shall come to abide, but only such as I call as guests, or who seek me in great need. So there's some boundaries he sets here. Basically, you can't live in Doriath. I will not allow the Noldor to take residence here in Doriath. And Doriath isn't a very large area. It's a, it's a fairly small area in the center of the map. And I will not even allow those of you from the Noldor to enter Doriath unless I call you in as a guest or on the rare occasion that you seek me in great need. So there is a little bit of a, a hole here for justification of the Noldor coming into Doriath in times of great need. He doesn't necessarily say he will help them, but he gives the impression that he will forgive the encroachment of his lands in the case of extreme need. So like, hey, you're still elves. We're still related. I'll let that part pass. <laughs> That's basically what he's saying. So Angrod takes this message back to the rest of the Noldor. And the sons of Feanor were not happy about this. The quote here is, cold seemed its welcome to the Noldor. They were expecting a much more warm welcome from lost kin. Well, not exactly lost, but lost to 
their connection with the other elves out in the world to, to reforming this kinship, I guess you can say. Now, the conversation about this goes like this. Majorus laughs and he says, a king is he that can hold his own or eke his title in vain. And then he makes a really interesting observation. He says, Thingol does but grant us lands where his power does not run. Basically, he allows us to live outside of Doriath, but he actually has no control of any of those lands. And he goes on and says, Indeed, Doriath alone would be his realm this day, but for the coming of the Noldor. Therefore, in Doriath, let him reign and be glad that he has the sons of Finway for his neighbors, not the orcs of Morgoth that we found. Basically, it's a good thing that he's got us living next to him now in the lands that he doesn't even have ownership over that we cleared the orcs out of. Because if you remember, the orcs were roaming all over this land when the Noldor showed up. And then the Noldor fought them back. And then they returned when the sun came up over to Angband. And and that's when all the enemies of the elves retreated. So to be fair, it wasn't just the Noldor that removed them from the lands, but they claim some of that because there was some bloodshed and they were the ones fighting them off while Thingol and his people hid in Doriath. And so the the idea here is that Madras is like, that's fine. We'll take the other lands around these regions. He can have Doriath. We'll do our thing. And at least he'll be glad that it's us instead of orcs. But like I said earlier, there were different perspectives among the Noldor and among the children of Feanor as well. Carinthir speaks up here. Carinthir, one of Feanor's children, uh, and much more hot-headed than somebody like Madros. And of the children of Feanor, the one who had the least love for his cousins, Carinthir speaks and actually cries out, let's say, cries out in anger. Yea, more. Let not the sons of Finarfin run hither and thither. And a side note, I love when Tolkien uses the phrase hither and thither. It happens a lot. Um, Let not the sons of Finarfin run hither and thither with their tails to this dark elf in his caves. He calls him a dark elf. It's almost like a slight, right? And we've talked about that before. Dark elf means an elf that hasn't seen the light of the trees. Who made them our spokesmen to deal with him? And though they come indeed to Beleriand, let them not so swiftly forget that their father is a lord of the Noldor, though their mother be of other kin. And Angrod gets pissed off from this and leaves the council at that moment. So there is some tension here. Although there's still peace, there's tension. And then Madros stands, stands up and rebukes Carinthir. Basically, like, you're overstepping here, brother. <laughs> this is not your place. Please settle down. We're all working together on this. That kind of thing, right? And it says here, but the greater part of the Noldor of both followings, hearing his words, were troubled in heart, fearing the fell spirit of the sons of Feanor that it seemed would ever be like to burst forth in rash word or violence. There's this underlying thing that goes on with the sons of Feanor 
where it may be partly inherited by the features of their father, the spirit of their father, the spirit of fire. And it also has something to do with the doom of Feanor and the oath that they took. But there is this leaning towards, I guess you could say, quickness to anger, quickness to act, quickness towards violence. There's this dark side to them. And Maedro seems aware of that and is trying to put out or at least reduce the heat of these flames before it gets too hot. And this section ends, and it says that Maedros restrained his brothers, and they departed from the council. And soon afterwards, they left Mithrim. Mithrim is the place that they'd all settled, that they were basically created a little town and fortress around on the west side of Beleriand. And they went eastward beyond Eros to the wide lands about the hill of Himring. And so they've taken off. They've decided, okay, now that we've talked to this King Thingol, we're going to go claim our lands over here. And they set off to the east. And from that point on, that part of the northern, northeastern section of the map is known as the March of Madros. And they welcomed in any peoples that they found that were willing to come settle with them. And if you look on a map, this section, the place where Madros settles, is actually very far to the north. It is between Doriath and the areas of the north that Melkor has taken over. And it's said that Madros was very willing that the chief peril of assault should fall upon himself. And he remained for his part in friendship with the houses of Fingolfin and Finarfin and would come among them at times for common counsel. Yet he also was bound by the oath, though it slept now for a time. I am so excited about our sponsor this week, Marvel Strike Force. I freaking love Marvel Comics. Growing up, I collected comics and the trading cards, and I've seen pretty much every Marvel movie they've made so far. So if you're into Marvel like I am, go check out Marvel Strike Force. This is a mobile squad RPG. You can collect and unlock all the different heroes. You fight against supervillains. There's a campaign. There's a blitz mode. There's an arena. There's a constantly evolving meta. And right now they're celebrating the Deadpool anniversary event. This is a mission from Strike where you log in the first time and you unlock this generous gift containing character shards, an anniversary diamond orb gear a bunch of other items it is absolutely the right time to jump in and try this game out click the link in the show notes to download it now and then use the promo code maxpool m-a-x-p-o-o-l maxpool don't miss out on all the free stuff and thanks again to marvel strike force for sponsoring this episode mike rowe here with a radical idea if you want to see more companies make more things in this country buy more things from more companies who make things in this country I refer in this case to the incredible t-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike.
Thanks for tuning in again, everybody. This is Tom or Robots, your host, and I hope you guys are enjoying the show. I really appreciate you being here, and I really appreciate our patrons, the, the people who are help helping to fund this project with their own hard-earned money. Thank you so very much to all of you guys. And we've got some new ones this week. I sometimes I forget which ones I called out the previous week, and I'm too lazy to go listen through the old episode. I think that we called out Duncan C. Thanks again, Duncan C. Also, big shout out to Philip GP and Jeremy J and Rudish and Esoteric Rage. That's a really good name. Welcome to the Patreon. I hope you guys are enjoying the bonus episodes. And thanks for being here. This brings the t- uh, the total of patrons all the way up to 24. Wow. And that means that we now have four VIP patrons who I will be shouting out every week. This is a bonus that you get as a VIP patron. So Esoteric Rage is a new patron and a bonus patron. You get two shout outs. Larry, Tristan, P, and Tyler B., Thank you so much for your support. I really appreciate you guys being here. I hope you are enjoying all the stuff that you get from the Patreon. And um, if you're interested, if you want to check out what's going on with the Patreon, some of the uh, different tiers, you know, getting ad-free episodes, signing up to get the bonus episodes, and there's actually double the number of episodes out there if you add in all the bonus episodes. So if you're interested in that stuff, go to patreon.com slash L-O-T-R lorecast Check it all out. Also, man, we've got three new reviews here. And these are, it's like you guys are, uh, I mean, it's a little unbelievable at this point. Um, the things that you get, this, the kindness, the things that you all say is amazing. It's almost like every one of these reviews is trying to one up the previous review by saying something even nicer. Um, I, I'm extremely flattered. Thank you to all of you here. We're just going to go through the list. First, we have Gabriel Z from the United States, and these are all on Apple podcasts who writes in and says, great refresher and insightful commentary. Five stars. Thanks robots for the passion about Tolkien's world and your insight on the Silmarillion. I really love how you break it down and simplify and then tie things together from episode to episode. Love listening while on walks, while making dinner and any time I have a minute. Gabriel, thank you so much. That is that is a very nice uh, compliment. I really it's so fun that you're listening whenever you can. So that's that's awesome. Then we have one from Bhavan 97 in Canada who writes first and best. Sorry, I've got some dogs barking in the background. This is my first time listening to any podcast, and it's just amazing. I mean, I love Lord of the Rings. Everything about this podcast is amazing. The story, the storyteller, he makes it seem like we are in the world of Lord of the Rings. As I already said, it's my first try for a podcast, and I'm glad I started with this one. Love the show. Well, thank you, Bavon. Bavon? Bavon? I, I don't know how to pronounce words, but thank you for taking the time to leave that. That's amazing. Welcome to the world of podcasting. Then we have ESO1232 in the U.S. who wrote, An impossible feat, five stars. Words cannot describe the great work you do. You've ruined other podcasts for me. Oh, no. You add a very human element to the lore, and you are providing to us that most podcasts don't have. This is the opposite of dry. I've been reading the Silmarillion as the episodes come out, and it's so nice to hear you descripting the old tongue Tolkien used in the book. Well done, or very well done. Five stars isn't even close to enough, but that's all I can give. Thank you. 
Wow. And thank you to everybody who takes time to leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Those are the two main platforms where most people will find and listen to the shows. Also, Apple's one where you can leave reviews and I'll read those out on future episodes. Um, I just wanted to throw out an idea here in the middle of the show as just something I've been considering doing. And I want to get some feedback on this. So if you guys wouldn't mind sending me a note, uh, you can you can join me on the discord and comment on there. You can shoot me a tweet at uh, robots underscore radio on Twitter, or you can write me an email at L.O.T.R. Lorecast at Gmail dot com. Those are three different ways you can send me your thoughts on this. I was thinking about starting a side project to this show where I and this might seem a little crazy, but go with me here. Play through the Lord of the Rings online and experience each of the quest lines in each of the zones, meet each of the characters and actually play through it and then take the recordings of that and put those up on a separate feed. I've done this before for games like Fallout and Elder Scrolls because the storylines that you come across in the game are the lore of those worlds. In Tolkien's work, though, it's the books primarily, and then, of course, the movies and the upcoming TV show. But there's this entire world that's existed for almost 15 years now. I think it's 15 years in the Lord of the Rings Online, where they've expanded on a lot of these characters and places during the Third Age, and you can go on adventures and things. It's a very old game at this point, and there's only a little bit of voice acting, but I would be reading out the text and kind of taking you through some of the bits and pieces of the story of the Lord of the Rings online. It's just an idea. It would take a lot of work. I would probably stream it live whenever I get the opportunity to do so on my uh, Twitch channel. So twitch.tv slash robots radio or on YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash C slash robots radio. Uh, basically just search robots radio. You'll find it places. Um, but let me know what your thoughts are on that. I haven't decided to commit to this yet, but it's an idea I'm tossing around because if enough people are interested in that, it would be a really cool way to get more lore, basically. I mean, we're kind of moving into secondary sources of lore here with shows like the Amazon series and games like Lord of the Rings Online, but some people consider those to be as much of the enjoyment of Tolkien's world as anything else. So just wanted to pitch that. See what you guys thought. Let me know. All right, let's move on with the rest of this episode. So we have a little bit more description here in this chapter. This is chapter 14, by the way, if you guys are actually following along. Actually, 13. This is the end of 13? I believe this is the end of 13. Uh, if you're following along in, in the Silmarillion. And we learn that Carinthir, the hot-headed one, actually decides to dwell to the furthest of the east side of the marches of Madros. And because of that, they come across the dwarves. The dwarves are living in the Blue Mountains. The mountains that are basically the boundary of the eastern side of the map. And if you remember, the dwarves participated in that first war of Beleriand. And here they are meeting Carinthir's people. And, well, Carinthir didn't really love the dwarves, but they were able to make a sort of, I don't know, necessary friendship. 
they started trading and the trade that came in from the dwarves into the rest of Beleriand, into the elven realms, often went through the area that Carinthir held. And so it actually brought a lot of wealth to Carinthir. And the benefit to the dwarves is that they had direct connection to Noldor, who were craftsmen, craftsmen who had learned from Aule himself. And so now these dwarves were getting lessons in crafting and increasing their skill. So there was mutual benefit to each groups, even though, and it says this in the book, it says this, this is a quote. Um, it says here, Carinthir was haughty and scarce concealed his scorn of the unloveliness of the Nogrim, the Nogrim meaning this group of dwarves. So, <laughs> so he, he was like, you guys are ugly, but man, you're bringing a lot of awesome stuff. You're helping make me rich. So here, we'll work with you. Uh, it's kind of kind of funny when you think about it. Um, I'm sure, sure the dwarves were like, well, you guys are ugly, too. <laughs> like, we don't like you either. But all right, we'll work with you. Because they basically had an alliance in their hatred of Melkor. So there you go. Now, during this time, it says 20 years of the sun have passed. And... After everybody settles, basically, another 20 years goes by and Fingolfin, who is still king of the Noldor, makes a great feast. And it's another one of those moments where, you know, something's up when somebody has a big old feast, right? Well, this one is actually good. I mean, most of the feasts are done for good reasons, but sometimes there's the irony of a very tragic event, like the burning of the trees and all of that. Think previous feast there. Okay, but this one is called... Merith Adderthad, the Feast of Reuniting. And it says here, there came also great numbers of the Grey Elves. And he had already invited all the Noldor and, of course, everybody else. But he also invited the Grey Elves, wanderers of the woods of Beleriand, and folks of the Havens with Círdan, their lord. Círdan shows back up, right? There came even Green Elves of Assyriand, the land of seven rivers, far off under the walls of the Blue Mountains. This is in the southeast part of the map. But out of Doriath, there came but two messengers, Mablung and Daron, bearing greetings from the king. The king himself would not leave in order to attend this feast that everybody else was coming to. All of the elves in Beleriand have at least representation from their leaders. Not king thingle it goes on it says oaths were sworn of league and friendship the tongue of the gray elves was most spoken even by the noldor for they learned swiftly the speech of beleriand but it turns out that the rest of the elves had a hard time learning their speech it didn't come as easily and maybe this has to do with their greatness their power having lived in Valinor, their ability to take on and learn new things more quickly than other elves. Now, although this feast and all of the events here are for the most part good, things are going well. Everybody's finding their place in the world. The elves are starting to get along. They're even, some of them are even getting along with the dwarves. Everybody seems to be doing okay. This section of the story leaves us with kind of a dark foreshadowing. It says here, in those days, there was joy beneath the new sun and moon, and all the land was glad, but still the shadow brooded in the north. 
And then we learn about Turgon, the son of Fingolfin, who leaves Neverest, where he lived. So this is the section of the map where, where they had settled. And he seeks out Finrod, who is his friend. Turgon and Finrod are again friends. Finrod's just friends with everybody, it seems like. So Turgon, Finrod, they set off on a, a bit of a, a journey. They decide to leave this area in the north, and they travel south. And for the first time in a long time, we get interaction with the Valar. Almo, the Lord of the Seas, comes up the river. They're traveling south on a river. And while they're sleeping one night, he gives them deep dreams. And the quote here is, And the trouble of the dreams remained after they awoke, but neither said aught to the other, for their memory was not clear. And each believed that Almo had sent a message to him alone. Almo had given them premonitions and warnings about what might come. Because the Valar know the nature of Morgoth. They know he's not just sitting up there doing nothing. And as much as they want to stay hands off on the events that are unfolding with the Noldor, they still care. And this is one of those examples of a place where one of them reaches out and interacts with them. We had one, and actually on the last episode, with the Eagles, uh, Manway's Eagles, and how much Manway was directly affecting that, or how much it was just in his nature, and the elves, or I'm sorry, the Eagles take on that same nature and help out. Well, this is almost directly going to these elves, and they don't talk to each other about these troubling dreams, but they are forewarned and they take it to heart. So Turgon and Finrod and the final quote I'll share here is quote, it seemed to each that he was bidden to prepare for a day of evil and to establish a retreat lest Morgoth should burst from Angband and overthrow the armies of the North. Thanks for listening to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast. If you'd like to learn more about other fantasy worlds, check out my other podcasts, the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, the Witcher Lorecast, and more at robotsradio.net. If you'd like to reach out, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a note on Twitter at robots underscore radio, or join our amazing community on the Robots Radio Discord. There are links in the show notes, or just search Robots Radio Discord, or find the link on robotsradio.net. I'll see you next time. Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. Nice buns. Soft, fluffy, and ultra-low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious, ultra-low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O dot C-O.